Support for this podcast comes from TPT Digital, TransPerfect Specialized Division, helping brands boost their global presence and international performance. This is Off the Clock with your hosts, Shane Madden and Whit Harwood, taking a deep dive into the structural changes into the business world as a result of the global pandemic. Shane here. Uh, Whit and I met on a beach rooftop bar in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico at a TransPerfect event in 2019. We immediately struck a chord. Um, Wit was with NBC Peacock, and my team works with many media companies here at TransPerfect. We stayed in touch for a couple of years, and somehow I managed to convince Wit to do a webinar with me as part of the TPT Digital Webinar Series in 2020. Which is now becoming the biggest mistake I've ever made. <laughs> we, we got some feedback on that webinar, which was a podcast-style format that people really enjoy that specific format. So I call Wit in 2020 and I asked him if he wanted to be a co-host on our TBT Digital Off The Clock podcast and somehow he agreed. The spirit or theme of our podcast is a non-stuffy, non-salesy, high information segment where we get executives takes on tech, business and the new dynamics in the digital economy. We talk winners and losers, innovations, and it's, it spans from the boardrooms to bedroom startups. So think of it as a conversation after dinner having a drink at the bar. This is our thoughtful take on what's shaping the new business world, and we really hope you like it. Hi everyone, I'm Shane. And I'm Whit. And welcome to our first episode of Off The Clock, where today we speak with Stephen Moy, CEO at We Are Barbarian, to discuss how brands can use interactive reality as an integral part of the marketing strategy. We've got plenty to get to today, so Whit, why don't we jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, thanks uh, thanks ever so much for joining us today. Uh, special guest today, whom I'm really excited to introduce you to. Um, a longtime TransPerfect friend and someone that I have had the pleasure of uh, not just working with, but learning from a good friend of mine and of TransPerfect, Stephen Moy from We Are Barbarian. So Stephen, thanks thanks ever so much for, for joining today's pod. Thank you, Shane, and thank you, Wick, for having me. Um, my name is Stephen Moy. I'm the, I'm the global CEO of Barbarian. And uh, we are 20 years old. Uh, we call ourselves the first digital agency. Uh, if you, anybody remember 2004, the subservient chicken, the viral marketing uh, digital platform is built by Barbarian. Uh, so uh, we've been so we've been around for that long, and very excited to be here. And uh, one thing just to uh, for the audience, uh, Barbarian is part of Chell Worldwide. Uh, we are. Uh, a global holding company and part of Samsung Group and publicly traded in Seoul, Korea. So happy to be here. Yeah, well, that's 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 great. So, Stephen, you have probably twenty plus years experience in this whole digital transformation ecosystem, and today's topic of interactive reality and kind of where this thing is going, and um, you know, COVID been a great accelerant. You would probably agree that um, with the, the the shifts and the paradigm changes in in e-commerce and interactive experiences, this topic is, is definitely front and center with people. So what I'd love to do is, is, is kind of kickstart the, the segment or the pod today with understanding a little bit more. You gave us an amazing story um, earlier in the week or last week with um, to, to Wit and I, where you explained a little bit more about the Mucinex activation that you carried out. So I think it was you developed a, a new form of interactive engagement. So do you mind maybe sharing that story to our listeners and kind of giving us some context as to, to what that was all about? Yeah, absolutely. It was a very, uh, very exciting experience for ourselves as well, right? Uh, and 
So in, in July, about July, the summer time frame, and not too long ago, and can you believe that, only a few months ago, uh, in July, we were contacted by Mucinex, and uh, we've been do, we also handling KY as another uh, brand that we're handling, and also Durex. So, you know, someone do need to cover uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll, so we'll be barbarian, I guess. Uh, so when Mucinex reached out, I, I think that was a great challenge. Uh, we spent two weeks in an innovation sprint, and we are looking into territories uh, because the ask is how can a over-the-counter drug brand and reach the new audiences and uh, uh, Gen C of the world, right? And, uh, you know, Gen C is half our population and they only interact with you through mobile devices and 95% they're on social platform. They don't watch TVs, you know, uh, you know uh, TV, broadcast TV, and how can you engage that? So we did a two-week innovation sprint in July, and then we identified many ter territories from uh, gaming to uh, like just TikTok, if you will. And also we landed on a what we call using live streaming to uh, engage this audience by expanding the brand ecosystem for Mucinex. Because the brand promise of Mucinex is about making people feel better. And how wonderful would it be not only you helping them internally right, by taking Mucinex and also creating the one-of-a-kind uh, sickware that is a apparel uh, capsule collection that designed for people when you not only uh, taking the Mucinex drugs and also when you wear them, make you feel better. Uh, we really apply the science uh, and uh, technology into the fabric we're making. Like, for example, one of the hoodies actually has a built-in pillow in it. So when you uh, when you need to take a rest, uh, you can you can sleep better. So that concept territory we created was uh, very well received within uh, the organization, and then we quickly got into a four week uh, design uh, uh, scenario uh, sprint. So what we have done is not only identify which uh, social platform we should leverage. Uh, keep in mind that is in July. So we talked to every single platform: TikTok, Instagram, uh, Amazon Live, YouTube Live. Twitch, everybody, talk to the product team and understand what we can do, what we cannot do. It's only five months ago, and believe it or not, uh, there was no commerce with TikTok. TikTok didn't announce the uh, connection with Shopify just a couple months ago. Amazon Live wasn't uh, ready. So we ended up picking the right platform, but also the right audiences. It was down to Instagram uh, versus uh, YouTube Live. And that's why I mentioned Shay very interestingly. In order to pull off a live fashion show, the idea is having influencer wearing the sick wear and then doing uh, doing a live fashion show and talk about how they feel about the garment and how they how do they feel about that uh, sick wear collection. Uh, browser actually is a more appropriate platform and format to doing live streaming for fashion show because you can imagine. Uh, both TikTok, Nap, uh, Snap, and also uh, Instagram are designed for mobile. In mobile viewing, you have limitation. And all of a sudden, browser become a little bit more popular choice, and we decided to go with YouTube Live. So in four weeks, not only we identify the platform, figure out how to do the solution integration. You know, they have a pin chat capability on YouTube Live. You can pin and also tell people to go to the website and start buying the garment. We also integrate to Shopify, which is uh, power, powermusicnext.com. But also we find a two designer, local New York designer. How wonderful you partner with someone in New York and you know manufacturing the garment in New York and China. 
And also we find a fulfillment partner that can deliver that box, unboxing experience, two-day delivery or 24-hour delivery. So that whole process for four weeks. So it's the month of August. And then, uh, of course, uh, the rest of it is about production, waiting for uh, import-export for some of the garment. We, we do have a washable silk is manufactured in China. That take a while because COVID and also the cold, you know, the trade war between U.S. and China. So we ended up originally we plan on launching live streaming in September, right around the Fashion Week, uh, because of all the import-export delay. We ended up right behind, uh, right behind Prime. Uh, Amazon Prime thing and before a single stage. So we launched it in uh, end of October. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. We pulled it up. All the all the garments sold out in 24 hours. Uh, we got 91 million earned uh, media impression. Uh, we have 6,000 people watching the fashion show. Uh, and also the first time uh, for Mills Index, the direct-to-consumer e-commerce sale is 500% increase. That's in one day. That's incredible. And Steven, I, I just want to, I think this idea is so interesting because it, um, it, it takes kind of what, what clearly was laid out as a brand strategy and then it, it builds it out in real life. And then you basically looked at the various digital products and platforms that could best fulfill uh, the ultimate KPIs. I, I would love for you to touch a, a little bit more on kind of the, the product research that you did around YouTube Live versus Instagram, and how you foresee uh, that space playing out, just based on kind of this initial discovery process that you went through. Yeah, it's a great question, and and really depends on what audience, right? The first is what audience you want to reach, what mm -hmm. type of content you want to uh, express, or the activation right. that we want to communicate to the audiences. And then we de determine which platform. So for us, it's doing a live streaming fashion show with influencer. We, uh, the, the criteria we look at is the, you know, the screen form, format, how you're viewing, mm -hmm. and also the integration of other third-party platforms, like, for example, e-commerce and you know, all, all the other capabilities, even their direct-to-consumer side. Right. And then we evaluate it down to, from, you know, uh, we evaluate the eight platform in that scenario for Sigware. We're down to, as I mentioned, Instagram and YouTube Live. We got the other platform way back in August, believe it or not, wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's doing it, right? <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> Only a few months ago. Yeah. So down to the format. And, you know, because we're doing a live streaming fashion show, we, we're looking for a larger format, bigger screen, higher resolution. Sure. Uh, you can stream on your TV, right? You can do YouTube on your TV yeah, or browse. So we ended up with that platform. Now, not saying that's the only platform for that. Uh, lately, we're working with other uh, brands as well. And, you know, a lot of, uh, to your point earlier, uh, we, right, we touched on a lot of problem is the interactivity mm -hmm. component not there. The content is not great. A lot of people producing it. I'm seeing a lot of so-called uh, uh, live streaming commerce. And uh, to be honest with you, more like, uh, no offense to uh, those two channels, it's more like a QVC and HSS. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Two person talk about product with a one hundred number like <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna work, right? Yeah. In the world with especially the younger audiences. So I think really have to uh, go back to just like any other uh, you know digital initiative. You have to understand the audience, what audience you want to reach, right. and what medium they will can reach them, and then you determine your tactics and uh, activation. Uh, for us, for the second way is 
based on those criteria. And also we want to have end-to-end -end experiences, including the boxing. So we end up find, finding, finding a fulfillment partner can deliver in the box we design and people can open it and post on Instagram. Yeah, I think you, you just made a really good point, which is uh, I feel like a lot of times when you're going through this kind of ideation process for, for any kind of activation, uh, a lot of folks look at it almost aspirationally, right? Like this is where I think I want this product to be. This is the market that I think we should take it. In reality, what you're talking about is almost a, a different type of product market fit, right? You're, you're kind of saying we have to get this audience involved. And so we have to take the products that align with it. And I think that in a, a lot of people who were in your position might've said, you know what, TikTok is hot right now. This will make the trades. But you were looking at it from the, the KPI perspective, the holistic audience perspective and saying, you know what? We actually need to maximize clicks on screen. We need to maximize interactivity. We need to get people um, moving around the experience virtually as opposed to just saying, I, you know what? I really want to pipe this thing through TikTok and that's all that matters. No, yeah, you're totally correct, right? I mean, we really have, you, just like anything we do, uh, you have to understand uh, the audience and the purpose. Like, uh, I, I think I mentioned to both of you, I recently hosted an internal uh, innovation conference and uh, I got the opportunity to uh, have a fireside chat with the chief content officer from uh, Essential, which is uh, they own Ken Lions and MediaLink mm -hmm. and talk about that industry, right? right? So we were talking about how Ken Lions and uh, doing uh, Ken Lions live instead of the one big event in June, they, they have a huge success. They've been doing that live event. They capture, they reach 100,000 audiences. By doing every month, if you see Ken Lyons live, it's a new format they're doing. But I can imagine, right, they went through a lot of research, like what platform they're using, what content. You know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, if you look at other events, including uh, Ken Lyons, right, I can name a few like uh, uh, Adobe Max is one of the pretty good events uh, we've seen. Mm -hmm. And uh, Apple, Apple, every time Apple launching new product, right. it's not an infomercial. So they really right. blend technology to enhance the experience. Like Apple use AR VR, right, to enhance some of the expenses that they have. And I can imagine, I, I, uh, I was chatting with a, a friend at the, at the Ken. I, I think that's every brand should think about their entertainment company. I think that one, yeah. one of the predictions we're making, because you have to have content is engaging, it's great. People's attention span is so, you know, spreadable <laughs> right now. Remember the TikTok crowd, eight seconds. Yeah. TikTok, eight seconds. I mean, uh, Scott Galloway talk about it. TikTok versus Netflix in an hour watching content. Netflix, a 60 minute program, you got probably like 10 signal, data signal, because you're watching the same content. Yeah. TikTok, 250 to 500 right. data signal. Right. So think about how much you're talking. So you really have to pick the right format. And also, that gotta be a courage, it depends on your format, right? That type of event, people talk about like CES, right? What, what's gonna happen to CES in a couple of weeks? Yeah. Uh, you look at all the sports event, right? You know, a kind of, I mean, it depends on if you like it, you know, they put like <laughs> Microsoft technology into the empty seat, right? Yeah. With cut, people cut out. That's one way to do it. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you, I think at the end of the day, not only the company needs to be an entertainment company, I, I would touch on more. Yeah. As an agent in my category, I think everyone needs to be a customer experience agency right now because we are creating customer experience. Sure. Before you go to the event, even though it's a live streaming, could be a Ken Lions, could be a CS. During the event, that's a different setup. And also post, 
right? It's kind of like wedding planning, to be honest with you. Almost like how you get people engaged, people to get to. Yeah. And, and during event, how is that, you know, the envious, that you know, memorable experience that you have? Uh, interaction is very important. Uh, chat capability is very important. And we got, we, we trained by Slack, mm-hmm. right? A lot of chat program that's very easy to do. If you use all the platform, the chat capability is not good at all. Right. Like barely, barely there. And how about posts, right? You, you got to, you, you capture a lot of data during the pre and po- uh, during the event. Yeah. What kind of communication you want to reach out to them? So I think, you know, the two yin and yang in, in the category, the agency needs to be a customer experience agency. It doesn't matter what purpose you're doing, out of home, experiential, mm-hmm. marketing agency. The brand used to be an entertainment company. You look at how Disney, how Marvel do it. Sure. We got a lot to learn. I, I think that's a great point, and it also ties to something a conversation that you and I have had before, which is around content enveloping every part of our day based on the the action that we're taking, the um, device that we're using. And I, I encourage you know all of us and also the audience as well to to think about devices more than just kind of your phone, your desktop, what what have you, but. I think you gave an an example last week, a little bit around the work that you've done with Samsung around, you know, what does content mean for your refrigerator? What is, what does it mean to have content that's focused on your washing machine? And certainly kind of the the golden goose at the end of this is, uh, you know, what is the self-driving car content experience look like? What, how do you think that, um, we get more content tailored to kind of the individual and slightly granular experiences of our day. Yeah, I think you, great point, great point. I, I think people need to understand, right? First of all, the customer journey really got disrupted, especially with COVID. Yeah. You know, the first mile, first mile of the customer journey mm-hmm. is home. Right. You all got stuck at home or stay at home being more polite, right? We all stay at home customers. At home, you have to, we talk about it, we have to understand the new touch point created by all the technology innovation. It's, it's from zero dimension to do two dimension to multi-dimension. Now, let, let me explain, right? Zero dimension, before COVID, right? It's not that uh, old in terms of voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, Alexa and voice came into uh, the, the home like just two years ago. All of a sudden, you got a new touch point. And, uh, and at one point, remember Alibaba introduced, you can pay by smile. That, you know, facial recognition and not a touch point. Mm-hmm. So you are sitting at home, you have zero dimension interface, two dimensional interface, meaning watching a connected TV, streaming, yep. your browser, mobile, but also someone who really progressive brand know how to mix these two together. Sure. And also mix with multi-dimension, right? In the past, remember, who's stopping uh, air drone to deliver to your New York apartment? Right. Mm-hmm. If you want really touch contentless, I, I don't mind a drone coming to my window, open my window <laughs> without How about a 3D printer? Man, one point you can print a burger. And also <laughs> use- I'm in. I wouldn't eat it. Remember a lot of skincare brand, Shane know I work with a lot of skincare brand. They were looking into second skin, right. 3D printing lipstick. All of a sudden everything is available right now because you got stuck at home. Don't forget VRAR before COVID was ah like not gonna happen. <laughs> now I would do it. So all of a sudden, you know, the first battlefield for all the brand will be stay at home. You have a lot of dimension to work with, from zero dimension to two dimension to multi-dimension. I'm talking about like VRAR and 3D printing. 
And uh, I mentioned, uh, I recently had a, had a partnership discussion with Roku, you know, one of the streaming platforms they have, right? You look at all the content creation. Uh, I mentioned to you guys, they also, we introduced, we introduced new, uh, the technology second screen. Remember, it was 10 years ago. Right. We talked about second screen, interactive TV. Yeah. So watching the pilot, they have overlay technology. You can mm -hmm. take a current, you know, TV commercial. You can put an overlay on top of it saying call to action. Yeah. So you can type a full touch point to get a meaning. Either there's an SMS message or QR code. You know that, oh, right? Yeah. Everyone knows what QR codes are now. And then you connect the dots. So all of a sudden, I, I will argue, you know, we tell, you know, to be honest with you, it's starting from your home because you're viewing the shopping window. All changes could be connected TV, could be social, right? Do your browser uh, and mobile, right? So all of a sudden, so that that's one thing. And then you look at the retail format. It used right. to be a destination. Long story short, it used to be you communicate to me, set and forget. I somehow we show up at your store and go experience the product. We cannot do that anymore. A lot of retail format, especially in, in New York, has become a service center, right? You need to return something. I need to do alteration when I bought a, bought a jean is too long for me. Or, or you go in there, you just go in and out, right? So all the scavenger hunting, the shopping is been completely destroyed. So how are you going to create leveraging those destinations? And I, I was sharing with you, I can imagine if I was Samsung working with Best Buy, now no one can go, to, well, still can go to Best Buy within reason. Right. What if you turn, they have all the appliance right there already. What if they turn it into a broadcast center? Mm -hmm. Not doing a TV, you know, cooking show, if you, you can, right? Yeah. You know, it's something. Why not, right? They have all the, all the technology out there. Because one thing about uh, a lot of companies need to think about the ecosystem they are building for direct-to-consumer in the world we're living in is they need to think about digital product innovation, but also service innovation. Sure. So uh, I, I was at CES not too long ago, a year, uh, less than a year ago. I was at the Samsung uh, area. I look at the new fridge, right? Now the fridge is with a big screen. What they can do right now, you have a reverse camera. You can take a snapshot of what you have in your refrigerator. And then they do a computer vision tell you, wow, you only have eggs and bacon, you don't have any milk. <laughs> and then what they do, they show a demo integrated to uh, Whole Food, Amazon. Mm -hmm. So think about it. All of a sudden, you can put all the ingredients, drop in a shopping cart, and deliver to your home. But in order to do that, it's product and service in, uh, integration need to happen together. So I, I, I can imagine going forward, a lot of CPG uh, company, consumer electronic company need to think about not only building the product, they need to build the digital services to link everything together. Yeah. If I was something they could own my home, right? Everything should be connected with services. Just like Google and Apple, everybody should be connecting, right? The world we're living in. Uh, so a very exciting Well, Sorry, I talked. No, uh, no, 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 no. It's great. It actually made me think of something that, that we haven't talked about before, which is the state of the brand in a world where uh, everything is analyzed by you know the various parts of your home right so let's use the example of the refrigerator right uh, you, you have eggs you have um bacon you don't have milk it, the default to okay whole foods then is my grocer and then there's going to be a second decision on top of that which is what brand of milk do i select what happens to when, when that is shrunk right and consumer perception is kind of 
taken out of the equation, what happens to individual brands in that scenario? Because there's a world where this kind of lends itself to commodification and and ease of use as opposed to necessarily brand voice. What does this brand stand for? Is this, you know, something that I want to align myself with, which are all the parts of the consumer equation right now? Yeah, you're right. I, I look at it two dimension. I think uh, one one is uh, the convergence between communication and commerce, really mm-hmm. like, like China, the number one in the world, right? When you do a, a blue, a, you know, a Burberry show, you see it, you want to buy it, mm-hmm. right? They more... Alibaba single say generate billions of dollars, right? And uh, this year they actually five hundred thousand dollars per second live streaming. Talk about like crazy number when you yeah. see by it because isolation. So that first thing. But to answer your point, I think another prediction: what we are competing mm-hmm. is your brand. Yeah. Go back to brand. It's not about technology. Technology created a, a ecosystem for us mm-hmm. to compete. Because at the end of the day, how, you know, if you look at the population today, right, the Gen Z, uh, I'm not Gen Z anymore, like barely a millennial, but <laughs> they really learn about, they sense BS very quickly. Mm-hmm. They really want to understand what your brand stands for. So I think the prediction, go back to the old school a little bit, go back to the basic. That's why a lot of CEOs, I'm working with a lot of CEOs, all talking about the core, what are the brand value mm-hmm. you provide, right? If you look at a lot of, uh, uh, talk about snack business or a lot of uh, health, healthy category. The uh, purpose driven brand actually the number one fastest growing for a lot of brands, including Unilever and Procter and Gamble and so forth. So I would say uh, a lot of brand needs to think about how you articulate and communicate your brand purpose to the different uh, touch point we have. I think that would be a new battlefield, right? Yeah. Could, how does it differentiate? Uh, I think Shane, we you, three of us can launch a new sneaker. Next year. Sure, let's do it. I'm in. We can, I'm in. Well, we can get on Alibaba. We have the same stack. Yep. Right. Same choice. Yep. Meaning, I I can do live streaming. Right. All, all integrated, all available to us. Why are we competing mm-hmm. with Nike? Is our brand right? They they're a little bit more advanced. So I think brand purposes will be. Uh, people need to go back to the basic. Really, we we developed a brand purpose. In my humble opinion, to really we engage. Every single through every single touch on every single audience, we earn the trust. Yeah, I love that. No, it's in a in a more commoditized world. It, it, what we wear and what we do then represents who we are, right? Because it, it then is actually the it's the action that signals to the other people that around us who we are. And in, in some ways, you can make the argument like you just did that brands matter more. Exactly. So I think that is a we I can predict will be more uh, more uh, dominant in terms of all boardroom conversation. And also to think about the explosion uh, of direct to consumer within uh, during COVID and post COVID. Even second, all of a sudden we got more data. Mm-hmm. Not only already we have new customer data, right? You know, IBM estimated like ninety percent of the world data generated just the last two years. Mm-hmm. I can imagine this year even more. As brands become more direct to consumer, you know what? The number one thing they can get, first-party data. <laughs> so those first-party data can inform not only how to extend your brand ecosystem, like basically better product and service design, if you can, right? Like really understand the consumer behavior in real time, and then they can uh, develop better product. Uh, so I, I think that's a very interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other topic, if you offer it, I was, uh, remember the Ken Lyons conversation yeah. and... Uh, by Southwest as well. 
I actually, this year, I predicted, I said, you know what, uh, you know, before COVID, I said, there are too many events I have to pick. Right. I think here, the event business become more competitive mm-hmm. because you think about the cycle, right? Let's say everybody can only go to one event per quarter because you need two months to quarantine yourself. You can only al- <laughs> allow to send a bunch of people. So where do you send them? I can imagine CES and you know NRF, the first wave, right? You have to pick one of them. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you have to wait for a month for quarantine yourself and should you go to South by Southwest. So my, my whole point is, I think another prediction is you will see bigger, bigger event because more people go to the event they only can pick mm-hmm. and you will see event uh, not so differentiated with that, right? Yeah. So like next year, you can see yes, Olympics coming. I'm sure people would love to see the Olympics. Yeah. And somewhere between a lot of maybe not as significant, right? You know, so I think it would be interesting to see who create the best virtual experiences. Yeah. Who we follow what we describe, right? Reaching the audience, personalized, very interactive, great content. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it would be interesting to see who wins. Yeah. Next year. I, I love that because it, in a lot of ways, we're all building the, we're, we're, yeah, we're building these muscles that we didn't have before by experiencing things online. And, you know, the technology is kind of being built in parallel in a way that, I don't know, I don't want to speak for Zoom or anyone at that company or others, but they're, they're, they never expected to have the 2020 that they had. And I think that in a lot of ways, we're, we're just kind of, even though we've experienced it for 10 months and it's very much been our world, we're just kind of at the beginning of what, face-to-face virtual experience really entails. And um, I, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about one company that I've become aware of and, and become a part of, but Lunch Club is a terrific platform. Stephen, Shane, I don't know if you guys know it, but it's basically a social networking tool where um, you're paired and you meet other business contacts um, algorithmically programmed based on your interests. and. Uh, it's something that would have seemed so foreign in December 2019, and here we are a year later, and it's I'm counting down the minutes until I make my next net new networking connection. Well, what's stopping? I can imagine if I were the big event company, or I would do a JV with a, a travel hospitality company, mm-hmm. and not only you created a more uh, safe space for people to travel, how about autonomous car? This is the time to do right. it, right? Right. They were talking about, I don't want to get, you know, sit on a plane where, you know, for a few hours and people are wearing PPE. (laughs) Not that safe. What if there's a car that come pick me up? I, I, you know, I put some sipping pill in and overnight I'm in San Francisco. Right. I'll do that. Right. Right. Uh, Instead of taking a train. So I, I think that's a lot of innovation and, but still go back to the point who can create the end to end customer experience Mm -hmm. will be the case. And I think uh, a lot of companies will have that permission to do it. Uh, I can imagine a lot of, uh, another prediction, a lot of joint venture, mm-hmm. leveraging each other's strategic assets. Sure. Because I'm not saying Ken Lyons should partner with, you know, should buy a, you know, a autonomous car company. Maybe that's some intersection between Olympic and right, yeah. uh, Tesla, right? Or Amazon, they have the, all the logistics created. What's stopping them, right. you know? Right. You already have all the routing, intelligent routing. I remember at one point, even for contactless payment, two CES ago, I was listening to Visa. They talking about what if your car is a credit card? 
I think it makes sense out, right? Meaning you don't have to do anything. You just drive through. Right. <laughs> right. Drive through and then you pay uh, your cost. <laughs> so I, I'm excited to see what, what's going on next year. Uh, I can imagine a lot of new things uh, be, with the customer behavior this year. Customer behavior, including ourselves, we love to experiment. <laughs> I mentioned to you, I think, did I mention to you? In the first month of COVID in US, the number one selling grocery product, can you imagine what it is? Not toilet paper, but uh, number one grocery product, um, toothpaste, bacon. bacon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, not suggesting everybody good baker, but people got nothing to do. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, they also everything. Toilet paper number two, but you know, <laughs> baking. I was surprised. Like, yeah. wow, maybe I need to do some more baking. So, people will love to experiment. So, I will encourage people. Don't be afraid, right? Try something. Yeah. Of course, take a calculated risk. Make sure you understand your audience, right? Make sure it's something relevant. Don't don't be authentic about it or for your brand. Do you have brand permission to, to play? And then try it. People will try yeah. it. Like, nothing's stopping you. Like, who knows, right? Who would have thought, you know, TikTok and Walmart, right? right. I never thought of last Friday. And uh, I, I think it would be fascinating. Hopefully we do another podcast in three months and see who. I, I like uh, that. I, I like that. Maybe, uh, Shane, you want to do the, uh, uh, the prediction? I, I can listen to Stephen all day. Absolutely. And actually, I have a quick question. We're running out of time here. So, Stephen, you and I were, were speaking just before we, we started the pod. Um, Shopify, big commerce, so the big e-commerce companies. And then we were looking at, I guess, Airbnb's uh, market cap, which I think is 90 billion. But if you look at Shopify... Uh, in and around 134 billion today. Um, where, where, where do you think, where do you think, or what do you think the future looks like for companies like Shopify, Big Commerce, and, and your traditional e-commerce companies? Do you think it's going to be filled with acquisition flurry, or what, what do you think that shakes out to be looking like? Yeah, great question. I think we'll we'll uh, we have a couple of scenarios happen, and one will be acquisition. You will see a lot of people buying. Uh, the local, if you will, the really true cloud platform. Because one thing good about Shopify, I mean, we we, we have used it in the past for activation. Uh, and, you know, you want something quick. And instead of going through the traditional more enterprise, you know, uh, commerce cloud, it would take months to implement. So a lot of people now go back to experimental, right? I can launch a direct-to-consumer site within weeks and I can start selling and collecting data and engaging customers. And that's more valuable than, you know, having, uh, that's a debate. What, what a more superior technology, to be honest, technology is so mature, right? You can still do credit card transaction, check out the whole night. Yeah. Uh, the other about Shopify, they, they are smart. They also do more vertical integration. Like last year, people questioning why they start looking into fulfillment. Because if you, you and I talk about a year ago, people think about fulfillment is dead. Moving taxes, who would have thought e-commerce, right? Right. <laughs> Who would have thought Uber would buy post Postmate all of a sudden, all the home delivery? Yeah. So, so that I think would be more uh, merger acquisition, more vertical integration. But at, at the same time, you know your friend, the biggest, the, the top ten player in the marketing tech world, the Adobe sells also. Well, I can imagine they are working on a local version. Sure. Yeah. Because historically, you and I know, right? The bigger, the more complicated e-commerce platform take years. Remember target.com, yeah. my, my old agency built it for four years or two years. 
now we're talking about we want to launch something within four weeks. Right. So I can imagine if I were them, like that would be a lot of accelerator or IP or code base that allow that uh, more powerful platform can just a couple quick configuration, you can launch a new store. Mm. Uh, like for example, like uh, Salesforce Commerce should be able to launch something within 30 days, right? So you will see a lot of innovation there uh, as well. Uh, but I, I think today's world about commerce, and I, I hate to say that because I'm a technologist mm -hmm. by, by training, it's not about technology anymore. Right. You got the ecosystem so much more. If you look at the, uh, the biggest ecosystem, you know, Apple, Google, Amazon, China, Baidu, Tencent, and they're already there. And also your own ecosystem. I can imagine ecosystem, uh, the two world will combine and emerging, meaning your external retail ecosystem with your par partner and your own will become one. The smaller brand know how to create, integrate the ecosystem and uh, get, get more data know your customer better and we target them more uh, successful. Right. So I think it would be interesting. Speed is an element. Yeah. I mean, no one should be waiting for six months to launch a website. So I guess the e-commerce, the chain, that, that whole group of players, it's not the thing, it's just one part of, of the value chain. And you think, exactly. you think it's going to break out into other, you know, other players getting into the market for, for small cap, localized versions, as you say, with, with Salesforce. Yeah. It's super interesting. Exactly. Um, but you, but you look at it, you're being judged, right? If you look at Instagram, you go to the shop, you click, you connect it to a website, either powered by Shopify or Facebook or whatever platform you buy. But the whole experience, that is just the beginning. You're waiting for a product to arrive, how fast your product to arrive. I, I'm making complaint already. I bought like a nice stand from one of the leading furniture store. You imagine I waited two weeks with no tracking number. You buy from Wayfair and Amazon, we're trained that way. Where's the tracking number? I should see my tracking number now. So all of a sudden, no wonder you see even Wayfair, the top 10 e-commerce uh, player uh, this year, right? Uh, really shine very well. Whoever can get that end-to-end, -end, the visibility, the transparency, and, and managing an e-commerce business. Yeah. It's more than a shopping cart. You and I know, right? right? It's the whole end-to-end. -end. Even return, right? There's a lot of startup in the, com uh, in the world. You can, you and I, three of us can start a company, do two hour delivery with a startup and that's a startup called Happy Return. They can go to your house and pick up the package mm. for you. Right. Hmm. So, right. You don't have to buy UPS or you don't have right, to right. have logistic company. So I think e-commerce people should think about it's end-to-end -end customer experience. You have to meet the, your audience where they want to meet you. To, today's world is live streaming, social. Hey, who knows? Maybe in the future, Magic Mirror is back, right? When you when we're brushing our teeth, we can buy stuff from your mirror. You never know. Right? Maybe that's maybe that's our next podcast. Um, and actually, why why you speak with Stephen? So, uh, I need to give a, a plug to to Wayfair. Um, we actually bought a my wife and I bought a um, like a picnic basket that like stores outdoor uh, lounge material, and it, it arrived. And unfortunately, one of the pieces was broken, so we couldn't put it together. But uh, we reached out to them immediately. Their customer service was incredible, and they refunded the uh, the whole the full amount, and also sent out, shipped out a new uh, a new basket within I think it was two or three business days. Totally seamless. But to your point, it's a full. There's many steps. There's many pieces of this e-commerce value chain, and, and I guess the e-commerce platforms just fulfill one of those pieces. So. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it no longer, I mean, even I, I would say you, you're not going to be differentiated if you even from a customer buying 
behavior point of view that you tell me you're on Shopify. Doesn't entice me to buy. It's your brand. Right. Yeah, <laughs> spot on. Yeah, you're spot and on. How- yeah, Stephen, as always, we really appreciate you coming onto the pod and, and taking us through what your um, your vision is and also just how, you know, it's just such a, an interesting space, this uh, interactive reality and engagement space. So thank you very much. Um, I know that you are a busy guy. Uh, do you mind sharing with our listeners your Twitter or uh, LinkedIn handle and then anything you want to share about We Are Barbarian? Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, my Twitter is uh, Stephen. Uh, S-T-E-V-N underscore P, like Paul, and underscore Moy, M-O-Y. And my LinkedIn, just my name, Stephen Moy. <laughs> very easy. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, yeah. please reach out. I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> I, can confirm, I can confirm that. <laughs> well, next time you should put me and Scott together and then uh, sure. we can fun of each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as good as him, so. That's great. But I can make fun of him. Stephen, so. we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today, Stephen, and thank you to our listeners. We hope to enjoy this episode of uh, our Off the Clock podcast. If you have any questions, you can reach out to us personally on offtheclock at tbtdigital.com. For more information on how you can use our digital solutions to grow customer acquisition and retention, head to our website at tbtdigital.com. Thank you.